Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to another off-season podcast edition of the Strict the Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad back with you on this hump day, along with Andrew Gillis. Mike Nizek is getting a break because in the off-season, you can't beat it. The players aren't the only ones getting a break. Yours truly, we got to get a little bit of that too, because as we talked about in Kansas City on our wrap-up pod, the season is madness, but... The show still goes on, with or without the season. And we're going to continue part two of our position roundup uh, across the Bengals roster. On Tuesday, we dissected the quarterback position, which was really just Joe Burrow and a little bit of Brandon Allen and his free agency situation. So we're going to go right behind Burrow and look at the running back position. Uh, That one's a little more self-explanatory as the two head honchos uh, behind him were Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan the Oklahoma duo turned Bengals running backs. And of course we can't forget about Chris Evans and Travion Williams who backed up Peter Ryan and Mixon each respectively. We'll get to them later in the show, but of course uh, I think just to kind of run through the stats here. So Mixon, uh, we've gone through this again, but just to reiterate had 210 attempts rushing 810 yards on the ground, averaged just about 3.8 yards per carry. And he had seven touchdowns on the ground. Receiving-wise, he had 60 receptions, 441 yards, and two tutties. Samaj P. Ryan's a little interesting. He had just about half the carries Mixon had in regular season. He had 394 yards, but over four yards per carry and two touchdowns. Was pretty versatile in the air as well. 38 catches, 287 yards, four touchdowns. So he outrushed Mixon per carry and had more receiving touchdowns uh, than Mixon did. With Evans, this is interesting. He really didn't have any rushing stats at all, which we'll talk about later. But he did have three catches for 38 yards and a touchdown, which was the go-ahead score against Kansas City. Uh, He was mostly kick returner until the second half of the season when Travion Williams took over, who, speaking of which, had really just six rushes all year and two receptions. But again, I wanted to kind of set the stage with Evans and Williams because I have an interesting discussion I want to have with them later. But I just want to start with Mixon to kind of evaluate him, what went right with him, what could have and should have gone right, and so on and so forth. So clearly, I think the biggest thing, number one, is he did not meet his Pro Bowl expectations from the year before. Uh, He had the best season of his career in 2021, which is a big part of why the Bengals got to the Super Bowl. Um, He did struggle with injuries in his defense. He missed two games with a concussion that he sustained uh, against the Steelers in Week 11. Um, as we kind of look at the cons and in the pros, um, really, Andrew, if anyone was a tale of two halves, it was Joe Mixon. First five games of the year, I guess first four games of the year, I should say, not great. 
not good on his standards. Last four games of the year up until the playoffs, not much different. It's such a mystery with this guy. I want to say a mystery, but it's different because he did really well in the middle of the year. He had that record-breaking day against Carolina where he had like five total touchdowns. Um, but even though he had a few good games after that, like against Cleveland, for example, in December in that rematch, when he came back from the concussion that he had against Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, against um, – yeah, I mean against – them and then you know a few other opponents in between like Baltimore in week five which is when he started getting going he just couldn't keep that consistency like the one word that sticks out with me is inconsistent before I get to the pros with Mixon what do you make of those cons why do you think he struggled to have that consistency and who, who do you attribute that to do you attribute that more to him or is that more of the offensive line because that is another discussion we'll have on on their roundup position uh grouping later but I mean what do you kind of make of that Yeah, um, you know, I think it was a little bit of both. Uh, I think you could say that you wanted more out of the run game, um, and I think the run game is all-encompassing. I don't think you can really say that the run game is is any kind of one thing with this team. I don't think it was, you know, solely solely you can place blame on the offensive line. I don't think you can solely place blame on Joe Mixon or or Samaje Pirine either. Um, I mean, you just just need more, um, you know, going from – their most recent game, their loss in Kansas City, um, the previous five games, 2.3 yards of carry, 5.25 yards of carry, 3.55 yards of carry, 2.45 yards of carry, and 4.06 yards of carry. Um, and actually, if you want to extend it one more, 1.91 against Tampa Bay. That, that's just not good enough. Um, you know, I, I know that those are numbers in the aggregate, um, you know, because if you can bust off, you know, three, three six-yard runs, then all of a sudden you get a run of nothing and your, your average looks a little bit worse, even though you've, you've been pretty much successful throughout the day. So uh, I think, I think the run game has to get better in terms of blocking. Um, You know, I think you would kind of, if you're the Bengals, you got to hope that the offensive line can kind of pull together with, with some health next year, with more continuity, with more continuity, Cordell Volson, um, him progressing uh, same thing with some of the other guys on the line. I I think you've got to, you got to have that hope, but again, like Joe Mixon is, you know, he just finished his sixth season. He's played 80 NFL games. Like he's, he's got some miles on him at this point. So you have to wonder if that's part of it as well. Yeah. And we talked about it last week, you know, legality aside, like, you know, there's a conversation of to save money from a cap space point of view. Like, is that a guy you keep? Is that a guy you let go of, you know, mostly because of, just the fact that you got to pay Joe Burrow. And we talked a lot about his extension and what that looks like on Tuesday when Mike was on with us. And we'll talk more about that later as those talks progress. But I don't know. It's just I'll get to the good side of Mixon in a minute. But really, I think the only thing that would keep the Bengals from cutting him is just the fact that he was a team captain and he's respected in that locker room. I mean, he earned that respect. He's played 80 games. Um, He's one of the few players that's been with the Bengals as long as you know, some of play, some of the other players like Tyler Boyd and Sam Hubbard, who basically carried over from the Marvin Lewis era, which is hard to believe almost six seasons ago. But, you know, I just think that when you look at the pros of Mixon, aside from his leadership um, and him being a captain, he, he did play well in the air. I think he had good hands catching the ball from Joe Burrow. You know, they like to do a lot of those check down throws, especially, you know, when they kind of found a way to beat those cover two looks. You know, they kind of did those short throws to Mixon. They did a lot of that with Pirine, who I'll get to in a second. But you know, he also was one of the best red zone running backs in the league. I think some people look at it and say, oh, it's so easy. When you're in the red zone, just give it to your running back and punch it in. 
Not that easy. It's not that easy. If, if it was that easy, then the Baltimore Ravens would have given it to J.K. Dobbins in the playoffs, and Sam Hubbard would have never had the Hubbard yard dash, if you want to call it that. But it really is not that easy. He actually did do pretty well in the red zone. I think he was top five um, in red zone efficiency amongst all running backs in the league. I mean, you're up there with guys like Derrick Henry in that respective category and Josh Jacobs. So I'll give him that. Because, again, people think, oh, you could be inside the five-yard line, just punch it in. Not that simple, people, especially when, you know, you talk about the offensive line, which, you know, we'll have a whole podcast devoted to that uh, later this week, if not next week. But again, I think in the beginning of the year, I could give Mixon a little bit of grace, because if you remember before the Miami game, they had a meeting. At least he said he called a meeting with the offensive line. It must have worked because, you know, against Baltimore, against New Orleans, when they went to the Superdome and uh, Joe Burrow's, you know, Louisiana reunion with Jamar Chase, he did pretty well. Same thing against Carolina, had an absolutely amazing game. But then again, like he looked at that Browns game on Monday night, which that was just a horrible game. You can maybe write that off if you wanted. But yes, since then, though, his carries went down. That's the other thing to note. His average carries went down in the second half of the season. I mean, he was averaging somewhere around like 11, 12 carries a game, you know, in the first half of the year. Second half of the year, it was a little bit closer to like 9 to 10. Actually, probably at a higher average. I have to do the math again. But he definitely had fewer uh, carries total, you know, in the second half of the season. And I think part of that is because, although the Bengals didn't outright admit it, like he just wasn't doing well. And up until maybe that Buffalo game in the playoffs where he did well, it was just a weird, weird season for him. And honestly, that Buffalo game, I'll actually credit the offensive line for that. And I'll also say Buffalo's defense just was not very good. Um, you know, we talked to Lance Reisland, at least I did, um, about a week ago before the AFC Championship, two weeks ago now, hard to believe. But, you know, he said the Bengals did a lot with their O-line, and they gave a lot of different reads to mix than they hadn't done. But I also personally think Buffalo's defense was just not there. It was probably one of their worst games of the year, maybe in recent memory, especially in the playoffs. But... Um, you know, like you said, we kind of debated whether you keep him or not. I think that's just going to ultimately come down to what the front office decides and how Burrow's extension looks. But kind of moving on to Samaje Pirine, uh, he was healthy. He played all 16 games last year. I think when you really look at what sticks out about Samaje, he's more physical, stiff arm kind of running back, whereas Mixon, not that he's not physical, but is more of a finesse guy who can kind of weave through holes when he's at his best. But with uh, Pirine, he'll stiff arm you. He'll push you down. He'll bring you down. Um, his overall PFF grade as a pass blocker was a 72, which is pretty good considering that he was kind of in the 80s range uh, most of the season. And if you remember, when Mixon went down with that concussion against the Steelers in Week 11, he had three tutties. Only uh, time that a Bengals running back has had that many reception touchdowns because they were all receiving touchdowns in a game. Because in Mixon's five-touchdown game, he didn't have that many receiving touchdowns. So even Mixon didn't do that. Um, I think if you look at the downside, and there's not really much you could say against him, is he's not that much of a finesse back. Um, he doesn't really show the speed that someone his size could have. I think he's not the fastest, like, in-your-face kind of guy. Um, he, he, he can do well with blocks, but without, you know, maybe getting those good blocks like he gets on screens, I wouldn't expect someone like that to take off. And so that's where maybe you could argue – and we'll actually talk more about him next week because I want to do a podcast kind of devoted to him and, you know, whether the Bengals keep him or not. But what did you think of P. Ryan? I mean, how, how impressed were you with him? And, you know, we can get to debating between him and Mixon. But when Mixon went down specifically in that Steelers game, how impressed were you with P. Ryan at that point? And what do you make of his season? Yeah, I mean, P. Ryan, I, he kind of proved that he can he can at least carry the load to a degree that um, – 
you know, that isn't going to tank the Bengals. Um, you know, late in the game against Buffalo, you know, he had some really nice carries, kind of sealed that thing. Um, did the same thing against the Jets earlier in the year. Uh, you know, like you said, he, he played pretty well, I thought, against the Chiefs in their first matchup. Um, did decently well against the Titans. Yeah, like th- there were moments where P. Ryan flashed. Um, you know, that that's not necessarily why you have him here. And I think that there's a lot to get into in draft season and free agency about kind of where the Bengals can go here because, you know, the Bengals and their coaches were, were really effusive in their praise for, for Samaje Pirine as a pass blocker. Um, you know, we saw that a lot this year. They would have him up kind of as like an up back in a lot of sets, um, you know, where he would have, you know, he would help out the interior of the offensive line on pass blocking. Uh, they would have him back next to Burrow and he would go back there and, and kind of protect his blind side, go to the front side. He, they really were not afraid to use him at any, at any point along the line. Um, so, you know, I think that that matters really. And I, I think that that's kind of where you get your value from Samaj P. Ryan. And look, I mean, when you have some offensive line struggles like the Bengals did, that's a really valuable asset to have where you can have that guy because, you know, they didn't have, you know, like a Nick Boyle type tight end where you say, okay, he's a really, really good blocking tight end. That's kind of what he's known for. When you don't have that, you need you need help elsewhere. And if you've got three scat backs and three tight ends who are, you know, 240 pounds, they can't really block. <laughs> that doesn't really help you. You need some, you need some beef along, uh, along the running back position or the tight end position and P Ryan gave it to him. So, um, you know, I think yeah. running the ball is, I mean, the most carries he had this year were obviously when Mixon was out, but in the games where Mixon was there, you saw five, four, seven, two total. Like he really didn't get the ball a ton. Um, so, I mean, his value really, really comes, you know, obviously from uh, from what he can give them in the pass game. 235 pounds to be exact, according to Pro Football Focus. And I know I said he's not the fastest guy, but I will push back a little bit on myself and say he ran a 4.65 uh, in the 40-yard dash uh, during the 2017 combine, which, in case you all didn't know, him and Joe Mixon were drafted two rounds apart. Now, granted, Piran went to the Redskins in 2017, Mixon went to the Bengals, but I mean, they played together at Oklahoma. They're playing together in Cincinnati. Um, I think that's a great duo that, for the most part, look, say what you want about, you know, Mixon's downsides and Piran's downside. That's a pretty good combination to have. There's a lot of familiarity between the two. Joe Burrow trusts both of them. I mean, Joe Burrow, too. I mean, you think about Samaj Piran. The, the one thing that Joe Burrow said about Piran that stood out to me this year is that Samaj can do anything. You can just give him a handoff. You can give him a screen pass. You can, you know, have him block like you talked about with all 235 pounds of his force. He can do it all. So he's earned not just, you know, uh, high praise from the coaches. Like you said, Andrew, he's earned a lot of praise from Joe Burrow. I mean, and that's basically, to me, that's the equivalent of like getting praise from a coach because that's going to be your franchise guy. If Joe Burrow's happy with you, that has a lot of weight to it. It's it's almost kind of like, you know, when, you know, like we talked about Tom Brady being in his prime and being the GOAT. Like if, if Tom Brady wanted you, then that's almost like, a you know, a coach saying he wants you. I mean, at this point, you know, Burrow's that guy where like he's got the experience, he's got the respect to say, yeah, like if you mean something to this offense, that's a big deal if you're hearing that. And I think for Pirine, um, that makes a strong case for the Bengals keeping him, which again, we can talk more about that next week because you mentioned there's a lot to be said about free agency and uh, the draft and the combine, which is in really three weeks, which is hard to believe. But now I want to kind of pick your brain on this. So we looked at, you know, the upsides and downsides to Pete Ryan and Mixon. Um, and we talked about kind of the beginning, beginning of the year, you could attribute a lot of, you know, Mixon struggles to the O-line, whereas it was the opposite at the end of the year. But let's assume you have a situation where Mixon isn't released, you know, for cap space, 
and P. Ryan is re-signed in free agency because he's a free agent. Do you do anything differently? Like if you're assuming Brian Callahan is still there, like if you're Brian Callahan, if you're Zach Taylor, do you like keep Mixon as a starter, but give P. Ryan more snaps than what he had, you know, before Mixon got hurt? And do you assess the situations differently? Like do you maybe give, you know, P. Ryan more snaps on second down than just third down? Or how, how do you kind of look at that? Do you think there's anything to learn from last year that the Bengals can change next year if they both return? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, one of the things that when you look at the Bengals, I don't know if they're going to, like, you know, I've said this throughout the whole year, they're never going to be a team that runs the ball with one guy and they're a running team and they're going to try to run the ball down your throat. And and obviously, exactly. you know, the offensive linemen like when those games happen. Um, you know, you think back to, I think, the Carolina game, they rushed really well. Um, there's another game during the year, which is escaping me right now that, you know, they rush for over like 200 yards or something like that. Like when, when you do those things, you, you, especially with the talent they have at the skill positions offensively, you're not going to lose many games, but I think you kind of have to look at this running back group kind of in totality. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mixon and P Ryan back. I do think you need to add something else to that backfield. Um, and like, you know, again, we, we've talked about this with, with other positions on the Bengals. The Bengals are not afraid to draft for a year in advance. Um, you know, they're, they're not yeah. afraid to say, you know, okay, this is, we're going to have this guy and he's going to be, um, you know, he's going to be on our team for a year where he's not really going to do much. And then we're going to expect him to do a lot. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of the direction they take. You know, I've kind of said it for a few weeks now uh, since the season's over. The thing that I really thought that their offense was lacking, which is crazy to say because, um, you know, their offense was really good. I, I think they need a home run threat out of the backfield. Um, you need somebody that can take it the distance, somebody that's got, you know, that that lightning ability to, to change a game and flip a game on its head really quickly because you have that at quarterback, obviously. You have that at receiver. If you can get that at running back, I think that that could add a really unique dimension to what this team is. Now, is that a third down back where you know you're drafting a guy who's five foot eight and you know a Geo Bernard type, and you're you're drafting a guy who's a little bit smaller who's coming in and you 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 play him in, in kind of passing situations, or is this a guy where you you bring in and he's a three down back and you just kind of you mix it up with he and Mixon, no pun intended, and P. Ryan. Um, I don't know. Um, but I do think you need something um, there. You need something there. But again, I, I like if I'm looking at this for the Bengals, I, I would kind of look at this like, okay, you got P. Ryan, there's your blocking back. You've got Mixon. He's kind of a all around guy, maybe first down, second down. Um, and then you need another guy who can come in and kind of take it to the house. And if that guy comes in and he's the best three down back you got, then so be it. You know, you, you took the words out of my mouth, Andrew, when you mentioned that the Bengals really need a home run threat because that's just what they were lacking. As good as Mixon was, as good as Pete Ryan was, and we'll, we'll get to Williams and uh, Evans, but even with what few flashes they showed, that was missing. I don't care if you're going to run the ball with one guy or if you're going to be a multidimensional team like the Bengals are, you have to have that. Mixon had home run games, but he was not a home run hitter. He had home run games, but he was not a home run hitter. Like that Panthers game was a home run game for him. I mean, P. Ryan hit some home runs against the Steelers, and I think you could say against Kansas City and maybe Tennessee. 
but those were not like your home run hitters. Like Mixon was a home run hitter in 2021. They had that. That's a big reason why they got to the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that to say they are not getting ready for the Super Bowl right now to play the Eagles because, you know, they didn't have that. I would say that's the farthest reason why they didn't get to the Super Bowl. But it's if you want to get back next year, as hard as it is, as much as everyone's going to get better, you have to get better in that sense. There's always room to improve, even for a team that's as good as Cincinnati was being, you know, three, four points away from the Super Bowl. But they have to do that, whether it's, you know, putting faith in Mixon and Pirine and just hoping something changes, which maybe changing up like the blocking scheme, which like you said, there was a lot of struggles with the O-line. Like if you can maybe draw something up that you didn't drop this year, since you have a, a much more improved Cordell Volson, you know, you'll have Jonah Williams back healthy next year. You have Ted Karras. Um, and Alex Kappa will be even better and healthier coming off his injury. And for all we know, they could draft another tackle to compete with Jackson Carmen and or Hakeem Adeniji, regardless of what happens to Lyle Collins, you know, that could be where maybe they put their trust more in that sense of like, hey, Mixon's good, P. Ryan's good, but let's build off the experience we had this year, you know, with our new signings and a rookie like Cordell, and let's maybe build on that with another pick in the first or second round, depending on, you know, what Duke Tobin and the Bengals decide. But I also do think, like, you cannot rule out the possibility of drafting a running back. No, no matter what happens, even if – I think if you bring back – P. Ryan and Mixon next year. I think you still draft one, and we can talk more about that in the second half of this podcast because we're going to talk about another free agent running back uh, on the Bengals who is worth discussing. Plus, we're going to go through some lengthy Hall of Fame records in light of LeBron James's big moment last night in case you missed it. Missed it. We'll have that and much, much more right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So we talked about Joe Mixon. We talked about Samaj P. Ryan. But there's one running back who's also a free agent we need to talk about, and that's Travion Williams. Now, you might be thinking, Muhammad, he only played eight games. Why do I need to know about Travion Williams? I'll tell you why. He was excellent on special teams. He took over at kick return in the second half of the season uh, over Chris Evans, who I'll talk about in a second. But... Even in those few games, those you know three games when you did not have Joe Mixon or when Joe Mixon was not 100%, he played some pretty good reps. Like those six rushes he had for 30 yards, those two catches he had for 30 yards, those all came when Mixon was gone. Um, they Actually, one of them was a big third-down conversion that came against Tennessee. So even though he only had one, two big plays in that stretch, you know, and the other one was actually against Pittsburgh, I should add that. I mean, the few times they used him, he made a difference on third down. And, I mean, with how the Bengals played on third down, I think you have to mention that. You want to talk about a blocking running back? He actually did really well. I mean, according to PFF, he had an 81 blocking grade. That's the 10th best among all running backs in the NFL. Granted, he had a way smaller sample size because he was not used as often and was inactive for almost half the season. But when he wasn't, he actually gave them a little bit of juice. And, I mean, he's like, what, 5'8", 215? So he's kind of like a Giovanni Bernard, like you alluded to earlier in the show. Like, that's kind of really why they got him because, you know, Giovanni Bernard left after the 2020 season. He went to Tampa Bay. Uh, but speaking of which, they also got Chris Evans in, you know, 2021 after Bernard left. He had a weird season. Um, he played 12 games. That's because he played a few more games in Williams because he was the starting kick returner of the year. He actually showed some promise on third down. Uh, the Bengals tried using him as a receiver against Cleveland, um, against Tennessee, against Kansas City. It was hit or miss. He had a really bad uh, offensive pass interference penalty against the Titans. That was pretty much the beginning of the end of Chris Evans, at least that season. Um, he was pretty good blocking too, 78 blocking grade. So again, like 
if we're talking about Williams and Evans, the value they bring is excellent blockers, special teams guys. But with Evans, again, he had some really bad penalties, um, especially the one he had against the Titans. He lost his kickoff return to Travion Williams. Um, it, it's for many of those reasons I mentioned. But I want to go back to Travion here because he is a free agent. Um, he's been with the team since 2019, six-round pick out of Texas A&M. Um, and again, when you look at his kick return numbers, they were not bad. I'm, I'm pulling it up right here as we speak. Uh, he took over more in the second half of the season. And let me see right here. Good old podcast switcheroo. So as a returner, as I'm pulling this up, well, as I'm pulling this up, let me ask you this. I mean, just cutting to the chase, do, do you keep Travion Williams? Is that a guy you re-sign? Do you have him compete with Chris Evans? Do you have him compete with a rookie by chance if the Bengals draft one? I mean, what do you do with a guy like this if you're the Bengals? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, I, I mentioned A-Chain, the, the kid from A&M. I really like the the running back there. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, you can look for, especially if you're going to look for a guy who isn't going to be a first down, second down type of player, like, you know, if, if you're going to keep that role kind of relegated to, I guess not relegated, but keep that role on Joe Mixon and Samaje Pirine, uh, it's a lot easier to commit a third running back to special teams and to, uh, you know, to playing that type of role. You don't want, you know, Joe, <laughs> you're not going to draft a guy to play Joe Mixon's role and then have him return kicks and punts unless it's, you know, pretty dire or something like that. Um, you know, you, you typically don't do that type of thing, especially with the, the hits that running backs take. So, um, yeah, I, I, to me, you know, I think you got to bring in somebody else. I'm not saying you don't bring him back for, um, you know, I'm not saying you don't bring him back maybe for, for training camp body, for, for training camp help. But again, like this is something where I think the Bengals need more in the backfield and obviously special teams is a significant part of the game. Um, but you're talking about 16 returns and, if you can get more on special teams, you know, even if it's a wash on special teams, I think you can probably get more uh, from what you got offensively. Um, you know, Trayvon Williams, you only got six carries uh, from him this year. He only had two receptions. Um, you know, Chris Evans, he had three receptions, the one touchdown against the Chiefs. He didn't have right. a carry. Like, that's a position, I think, where you want to have more faith in what you have at the bottom of the depth chart offensively um especially i mean like we we talked about the mixon stuff like mixon's gonna go into his seventh season next year like what if mixon what if he's what if he's kind of on the downswing you know nearing his late 20s like that's that's a real possibility and you don't want to be caught where you hit the end of the year mixon's kind of on the downturn you know maybe he gets hurt again something like that and then all of a sudden you've got samaje p ryan and then somebody who, you know, you don't have a lot of, you don't have a lot of faith in, in the guys at the bottom of the depth chart. So to me, the the third running back position is somebody you need to play special teams, but I think that that's where you go. So I, you know, I wouldn't rule out, you know, Evans or Williams returning for, you know, for camp body or to try and compete for a job. But to me, that that's a position that I'd look to upgrade at. So to pull up those stats I mentioned, so Travion Williams, um, in eight games played, like we mentioned, he had 16 kickoff returns for 356 yards, uh, and he averaged 22.3 yards per return. He had a nice 42-yard return as his longest one. Chris Evans had 10 returns, so six fewer returns than Travion, for only 211 yards, an average of 21 yards of kickoff. He didn't go longer than 30 yards on a kickoff. I should mention, too, um, since we're kind of talking special teams-ish, Trent Taylor was their punt returner. Uh, he had two kickoff returns, but he was mostly their punt returner. Uh, 
I think he did a little, little, little decent. I think he wasn't bad, but I also mentioned him because he's a free agent. But we could talk more about Trent Taylor when we talk about our wide receivers later this week. But um, again, that's also another thing to consider. Is you know we talk about Trayvon and Chris. You also got to mention Trent Taylor, another free agent who was a punt returner who was sparingly used as a right. kick returner. But yeah, I think I like that you mentioned Achain. It's just so funny. Like um, you, you know, he's a Texas A&M kid like Trayvon Williams, five eight, five nine, like Trayvon Williams. Uh, can return kicks and run like Travion Williams. So the question is, is he better than Travion Williams? Well, the tail of the tape will speak for that. And once we get closer to the NFL draft, and the, I think especially the combine, because I think we should see him at the combine, we can uh, definitely talk more about that. But, yeah, that, that's a name I think you have to keep on your radar if you're a Bengals fan or if you're the Bengals in general. Is Devin, I, Devin is it A-Chain or A-Chain? I keep getting it wrong. Is it A-Chain or A-Chain? A-Chain, A-Chain. I think A-Chain now that you say it. I think it's A-Chain. Actually, I think uh, I'm, I'm remembering Brad Nessler calling his touchdown return against Alabama. I think it's A-Chain. So forgive me, Devin A-Chain. Forgive me. Um, but hopefully if the Bengals do pick him, we'll get more used to his name. So this is definitely a start. But I want to actually – I want to tease you with something a little bit here that is so funny to me that I saw on Twitter that I just can't shake off. And it's completely unrelated to anything involving – running backs, but it does kind of follow up what we talked about yesterday with Brandon Allen being a free agent for the Bengals. So Andy Dalton, of course, a household name in Cincinnati, people remember him. And, uh, well, he's a free agent now because, um, you know, his time in New Orleans is up. So we'll see what the Saints decide to do with him. They have an interesting situation since apparently Derek Carr, I saw, according to reports, supposed to visit the Saints. So I don't know what's going to happen to Andy Dalton, but I saw someone on Twitter. I, I think it was some fan account, and they said – should the Bengals bring back Andy Dalton as QB2? I don't know if that's like twisted humor. I don't even know what to make of that. Like that is, I, yeah, I would have never that imagined that. Me. That strikes me as, as, as a humorous thing. Because again, I don't like, know. It, like if you're Andy Dalton, you probably want to compete for a starting job. And uh, that's not going to happen in Cincinnati. So. No. But can he compete for a starting job, though? Like, do you think he's capable at this point for, for doing that? I mean, he's almost 36. Uh, I mean, you, you kind of look around the league and, I mean, there are some teams that are going to be real dicey at quarterback next year. Like, mm. there's just – like, we're reaching a point now where there's a lot of really good quarterbacks uh, in the league. You know, you're starting to hit that point where I. this is a larger conversation where, you know, are elite quarterbacks becoming more common? How does that change the game, et cetera, et cetera? But, like, the Raiders get rid of Derek Carr, and, like, what are they going to be? Like, what is what is their quarterback situation going to look like? You know, if, if the, like, it, does Baker go back to L.A.? Like, but if Baker doesn't and Stafford's still hurt, what do they look like? There, there's right. a lot of There's a lot of teams out there that you can kind of point to, like the commanders, like it, it, assuming Wentz isn't back, who knows about Heineke, is Sam Howell, like are you going to rely on Sam Howell for 17 games, like with full confidence, or would you like to have a veteran in there? I don't know. So there, there's a know. lot of different spots for, for Dalton, I think, to kind of poke around and, and kind of see where he's, see where he's, uh, you know, see where he's valued and, and kind of see what the market is. There's an interesting gap between like the talent of starting quarterbacks, like we've been talking about, and the talent of backup reserves. Like there's such a wide gap, and I'm not saying you should expect like a backup to be like lights out, but there's just no striking names in the backup market to where like maybe you're actually right. Maybe Andy Dalton 
being a backup anywhere or like, I mean, honestly competing for a starting job at that point, because he was a starter, like for the night, you know, first 19 years of his career. I mean, it's not out of the question, but oh my gosh, if, if that were to like, I mean, it's not going to happen. That is not going to happen because number one, that would just be awkward. Like that would literally be Andy Dalton looking at the guy who, I mean, didn't take his job, but like in a way kind of did like, that would just be very awkward. Number one. And number two, I mean, could you imagine like what that relationship would be like, like Joe Burrow and like Andy Dalton, like having their lockers next to each other? Like, I don't know. I, I think they respect each other a lot. Like they've definitely talked to each other before and after like their meetings against, you know what, when they played against each other this year in New Orleans, last year in Chicago, year before that against Dallas, like they've talked to each other. I mean, I'm sure like I've had conversations, but that would just be really, really weird. Like, I, I don't know. That would just be so awkward and so strange to me to where like, you're so much better off with Brandon Allen at that point, not because he's better. Like I think numbers wise, Andy Dalton would be better, but that would be just so weird and so awkward. Because don't forget, like, a lot of guys in that locker room played with Andy Dalton. So, I mean, they'll be excited to be around, but they'll be like, this is kind of weird. But has this ever, has that ever happened before where, like, a starter came back to his, well, actually, yeah, of course, Nick Foles. I was about to say, has a starter ever come back to his old team as a backup? And yeah, Nick yeah, Foles and, did and, that. I'm trying to, I'm sure there are more examples than that. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying I was to trying to rack my brain, but. Yeah, yeah Nick Foles I, I'm sure there's an interesting be one. Fun. Um, Nick Foles. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'd have to actually do some research on that because, like, that that would be such an interesting stat to look at. But yeah, other than Nick Foles doing that, which I don't know if we'll ever see a story like that happen again with what he did in Philly five years ago. But man, I, that would be so funny. But I don't really pay much attention to Twitter. But when it comes to stuff like this, it's it's fun to talk about these things because. Like I said yesterday, it's why we do this podcast. But I want to wrap up with one last thing, uh, and I kind of teased this earlier in the show, but for those who didn't see it already, LeBron James is the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Still feels weird saying that because that's a record that uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar held for over 40 years, or almost 40 years, I should say, almost four decades, because, I mean, that's a record that I don't think anybody thought that was going to be broken, but... LeBron James said otherwise, so I want to kind of pick your brain. I want to go through some all-time NFL records, and I want you to tell me if you think they'll be broken or not. So I'll, I'll say the record, what the number is and who broke it, and then if you think it's going to be broken. So I want to start with all-time rushing yards. Emmitt Smith, 18,355 yards. Is anybody ever going to break that? No, and I don't know if anybody's ever going to get close because um, right now the next active player – uh, or the closest active player is Derrick Henry, um, and he's uh, yep. ten thousand yards behind him. Um, yeah. So, and think about how good, behind him. Think about how good Derrick Henry's been in his career. Uh, Derrick Henry needs to more than double the yardage that he's already gotten. Um, so, hopefully, that kind of gives people some context. Yeah, it, it, Emmett Smith's record, especially with the la- the way that the league is going, that's that's never going to break. Okay, so another touchdown record, or another record that Smith has, rushing touchdowns, 164 touchdowns. Does that get touched? No, because, again, it's the same argument. Derrick Henry's at 78 right now. Um, you know, if you double that, he's still not even there to, to Emmett Smith. Um, so, no. All right. Passing touchdowns, Tom Brady, 649. Um, you know, this is where you start to get – into the into the aspect of you know well 
what does the league look like in 10 years, in 20 years, in whatever. Um, maybe Mahomes has a shot. But again, like Brady's played for 22 seasons. Like, I don't know how many quarterbacks are going to be able to do that in their careers. Um, I mean, you just think of some of the years Brady threw 50 one year, uh, you know, threw for 40 a few times. Like, I I just don't know if that's ever going to get touched. Just, you know, the game might change and and guys might have, you know, on average more touchdowns, but it's not going to be broken. I don't think it's 649. All right, so on that note, passing yards, also Tom Brady's record, 89,214. This one's a a difficult one, I think, because you're you're adding a game. Um, You know, they added a game for, you know, Brady obviously played a 16-game schedule. Now there's a 17-game schedule. Um, You would probably guess that they're going to add another game at some point. So, you know, two games you're playing, um, you know, an extra year play that for eight years you're going to basically get an extra season so that's going to be close the only guy who i would say right now that has a shot would be mahomes um but yeah that's that's again it's another longevity question it's gonna be really hard to touch all right i think this is the one that i'm just gonna say right now i don't think it's gonna be touched but you tell me if i'm wrong receptions 1549 which jerry rice set uh, no, um, I don't think that's ever going to get touched because, again, Julio Jones is at – he's the closest active player, and he's at 903 right now. Uh, so he's got uh, he's got more than 600 to go. Um, DeAndre Hopkins has 700 to go. I just don't – I just don't think that you're going to get a – you know, even as the game kind of evolves into a more passing game, I, I wouldn't – necessarily put as much confidence behind this one as I have some of the other ones, but um, yeah, this, this one's going to be really tough too. So would you also agree that his receiving yards record of 22,895 yards is also tough to touch? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's obviously tough. Um, I I am curious what, uh, like I said, what the game looks like, but like you just think about how good of a career Julio Jones had, he's still 9,000 yards away. So to me, um, that with the career that Jerry Rice had, that uh, I, I just it, it's good. you're going to need a receiver. I mean, the good thing for receivers is they're coming in and they're playing really, really good immediately. Um, but you're going to need a guy to start to put together. You know, you're going to need a Justin Jefferson to put together a few, you know, fifteen hundred, two thousand yard seasons pretty consistently. Um, you know, Jerry Rice, you look at some of his, his game logs, like even towards the end of his career, he was putting up thousand yard seasons. So that's uh that one's going to be really tough as well. I, well, I, I mean, at, all of these are tough. I say that. Oh, again, they're but, all tough. I'm just yeah. saying like, in terms of like realistic, I should say, is it realistic? That, that's the right word I should use. So then here, here's the two more I want to give you. And they're both interception records, offensively and defensively. Uh, defensively, Paul Krause and the Minnesota Vikings, who played way back when in the 70s when the Vikings were actually a Super Bowl contender, as hard as it is to believe. Um, he had 81 picks in his career as a defensive back. Kind of like the rushing yards and rushing touchdowns records. I think those are kind of tough for anyone to catch up to. Uh, what's the realistic possibility that somebody gets more than 81 interceptions to break? No, uh, no, I don't think this one's ever getting touched because, um, you know, quarterbacks yeah, are getting freak. That guy was a quarterbacks freak. are getting so much better. Um, you know, quarterbacks are, are really, really talented. Obviously, at this point, this is kind of the, everybody talks about the new era of quarterbacks. Um, but when you got quarterbacks that are not, you know, not really giving the ball away a ton, 
81 is just such a large number. I mean, if you play like 15 seasons, you're you're still talking about a ton of interceptions. So yeah, I don't think anyone's oh, yeah. getting touched. Yeah, I mean, dude, like a guy. I mean, I, I, we weren't around for this, but I've actually read about him. Like the guy was like six three, two hundred pounds. Like back then, if you were doing that playing DB, shoof. I don't know how the Vikings could win a Super Bowl for that guy. Shame on them. Last one, though, speaking of another former Viking who was only there for two years, but still a Viking, um, most notably a Green Bay Packer. I'm sorry for those that are upset by saying this. Uh, most interceptions thrown, Brett Favre, 336. Tom Brady was not far behind him. He had 212 in his career. Um, he was, like, I think 15 spots behind him, which is actually pretty impressive on Brady's end, but... Will anybody be that much of a gunslinger to where they're gonna like make Brett make Brett Favre's interceptions and not look as bad? Um, I mean Brady or excuse me, Favre is just so far ahead of the pack on this one. I I just don't think you're gonna get um you know the gunslinger type of quarterback that that is just launching the ball all over the yard like he did really, I mean, really until his last season, until his last game, frankly. Um, you know, so to me, I think that's uh. Like you're, you're just going to see some kind of evolving of quarterbacks throughout the year. I mean, we or throughout the years, we saw that with Mahomes when he had a bum ankle, like just sit back in the pocket and kind of throw dump off passes because the middle's not really forbidden anymore. Um, Trent Dilfer just kind of midways talking about that, uh, which I disagreed with him by the way, for what it's worth. But um, yeah, you know, the game is different. It's it's more um, it's more receiver friendly, more offense friendly. DBs are not as, you know, cannot be as aggressive as they were. So, yeah, I don't think this one is really ever going to get close to touched. Normally, we don't do this, but I, I just thought about, like, because I really was just looking at LeBron break that record. And I remember, like, you know, even when, you know, LeBron was the next best thing and, you know, people compared him to MJ, like, I still didn't think anybody was going to touch Kareem's record. Like, what that man did, even though he played in a way different era, like, even, like, kind of right before MJ came onto the scene, I know I'm talking a different sport but like I said no one is touching that record and then when you know LeBron touched it I said to myself okay like I mean Mahomes Burrow Allen like those guys are trying to make a case to be up there with you know Manning Brady and Roethlisberger and all these other guys that are in that tier so it makes you wonder like is any record really untouchable and like you talked about Derrick Henry and obviously for as good as he is he has to double his output to you know, get those touchdowns and rushing yards that Emma Smith has. But, like, what if we're talking right now and, like, there's someone drafted this year, next year, the year after? Like, we don't even know this guy's name. And, like, what, we'll be in our 40s at this point, like, balding our hair. Like, my head's already going bald at this point. But we'll be bald in our 40s, and one of those records will get broken, and we'll be like, Andrew, remember 20 years ago when we did that podcast and Emmett Smith's rushing record got broken or Tom Brady's passing yard record got broken? Like, who knows, man? I mean – I'm sure the people that Breeze and Brady had to surpass to get to that point probably thought their record wouldn't be touched, but you know what they say, the only thing that's constant is change. Who knows, man? That'll, that'll be fun to see, though. Hopefully we live long enough to, to see one of those records broken so we can actually come back and revisit this podcast. Because it'll be, it'll be somewhere on the internet if the internet still exists 30 years from now. Who knows, right? Could have flying robots and whatnot. But I'm getting far ahead of myself. Stay tuned with us this week because we're going to continue our position roundup as we talk wide receivers. We mentioned the O-line, and we'll break down the interior O-line and the rest of the O-line, and we'll do the same with the rest of the Bengals' defense and much, much more on free agency as we are just weeks away from the NFL Combine. But once again, for myself and Andrew Gillis, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. See you back here tomorrow. 
Happy Hump Day.